0: 1987 here to discuss today the subject of human cloning as it relates to the secret space program and the super soldier program so your ssp related cloning and the issue of human cloning and how wide scale and uh, intense the phenomenon really is and it's far-reaching ramifications and why it is kept so secretly uh why is it kept so Classified and why is it kept? Um, you know, in perpetuation because of the results that are garnered from it and its uh, its effects on the cosmi- on the balance of the cosmic war. Okay, so getting into the the state of human cloning and let's just introduce it as a as as a concept in itself and the SSP program. Due to the original plan of staffing lunar and off world colonies with um naturally conceived and a generated population allowing for the development of culture and the hopes of keeping people in line with their agenda, uh, having that plan not work out in our timeline. Uh, Due to the Lunar Marxist Movement. The solution to that problem. Was decided upon by the Earth Alliance. And by the space programs uh, that make up the Earth Alliance. Such as uh, the U.S. uh, Secret Space Program. And the British Secret Space Program. Was to um, genetically engineer. Was to produce a mass-produce mass, uh, mass produce, um, a number of clones and a number of, um, um, seemingly, like, you know, like perform eugenics programs. They get the seemingly the best traits from all our ancestors and, um, every ethnicity and world and nation and tribe or, or genetic, uh, difference from the world, uh, you know, at large. And, uh, boil it down or condense it down to a perfect uh, human being that would be be able to be mass-produced and to be able to serve as the secret space program saw fit for service, you know, what they deemed necessary, what they uh, deemed um, uh, fulfilling to their needs. Off-world colonization, uh, shipping staff and uh, naval um, cadets, uh, vehicle pilots, uh, you know, industrial industry men, tradesmen, um, everything from accounting to uh, creating specific, culturally specific, community-specific um, intellectual properties. You know, regarding their specific uh, trade and career uh, path or creation path. And then they got involved with the ICC. Uh, so the secret space programs, in conjunction with the privatized international uh, corporation coalition, began to uh, not only develop this, the human clones, but develop the the uh, human clone trade or the uh, the the training of these human clones. The way that entire industry into. Getting single, uh, independently created human clones, and deciding whether or not to rapidly age them, whether or not to insert memories, and in which memories to insert, whether or not to create uh, certain conditions in this clone's life to you know, or to deal in these clones' lives to certain uh, proprietary uh, powers, certain uh, you know, galactic empires that we encountered, certain other species that we had made alliances with. And uh, really, the whole issue only became possible when we started dealing with other uh, species, when we started dealing with other galactic empires as a modern human race or as a race capable of speaking on their level, both spiritually and uh, technologically. At first, it was the contact with the mantids and their uh, tall black version of the greys, uh, which are unique to the tall mantids, but acts very similar to the grays and have a similar cap, uh, capacity for intelligence and have a similar uh, scientific uh, predilection in their behavior. Um, the mantids uh, allowed us to learn from them, being a generally benevolent species, being a, a generally a very benevolent uh, Agenda on their on their minds. They taught us this ability because they knew it would better serve us in the in the overall picture of human destiny and dealing with the Ashar Alliance, uh, the Ashar High Command, and uh, dealing with the Orion Draco. They were the ones who taught us how to implant memories and to create artificial lives and create artificial timelines and to basically replicate the circumstances necessary to create um, fully fleshed out subconsciousness, fully fleshed out personalities from uh, rapidly aged clones that are clones that were rapidly aged to adulthood. So, given that these clones were literally only a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few years old at maximum, they would be able to be given lives and they'd be able to be given, um, you know, memories and personalities and identities and allowed their mental maturity and the mental prowess to mature, uh, given the dilation of time and, um, the dilation of, um, the experience phenomena of ontology, basically, you know, how uh, how one understands, differentiates the fiction that they create for their life and the fiction that was created for them, um, memories and fantasies, that's a very complicated order. It was very alien in, in design. The Astar High Command, when they started dealing with us in the fifties, they were dealing with us with clones. Uh, a lot of the Astar High Command are genetically cloned. A lot of them are cloned from specific bloodlines of a specific, for, uh, very specific blood types, which is the inspiration for our uh, Super Soldier Program and our uh, Secret Space Program cloning programs, because we decided to go the eugenics route, having seen that the Astar High Command has a lot of success in that um, undertaking in that agenda as well because they clone based on the ideal types and life experiences of an individual and thus are able to tap into that person's cellular memory and not only that but then also to um, model the simulated life of the clone and uh, basically creates some kind of artificial immortality in between uh, the members of that species and the members of that cloning bloodline. The greys, who we were also negotiating with simultaneously as the Astra High Command's first contacts, uh, are very important to both our and the Astra High Command's cloning efforts as well as the Orion Draco's cloning efforts. Their mental prowess, basically they're like uh, individual supercomputers that can... Uh, visualize and run genetically mo- models and pedigree models and, and uh, understand how DNA works intrinsically you now they are uh, masters at such uh, biological uh, body creation and um, and they you know DNA harvesting and things like that like they're able to understand that at an intuitive level they were quick to aid in our efforts as long as we were able to supply them with a quota of fresh, Um, basically fresh people, uh, fresh DNA, so that they could uh, pursue their own individualistic efforts and and interest in science and the development of this technology even further. The Orion Draco uh, are interested in human cloning and interested in the SSP program and aiding us in our efforts to create better clones because to them, we are a food source, we are a ranchable animal, a... um, exploitable natural resource that they naturally predate on and if we want to clone ourselves and we want to pedigree ourselves it's better to their purposes you know if they can if they can agree with us on that agenda so that they may harvest us and they may prey upon us and they trade technology they trade um a lot of their and ingenious uh, higher dimension powers they're they're multi-dimensional services and they trade um technology and and um you know things like maps things like uh you know, weapons, technology, things like strategies, history with uh, with space efforts such as colonization, um, exploration, communications, and for our fledgling Earth Alliance uh, Empire, for our Solar Warden, for our intergalactic uh, politics, for our teleportation research, for our quantum time travel type research, this stuff is invaluable information. You know, it's it it shaves off hundreds of years. And thousands of man-hours into the development and testing of technologies when they're just handed to you by an, a race that is millions of years old. Um, so, you know, obviously we're willing to clone and sell and trade uh, hundreds of thousands of human beings for the price of one time machine. I mean, come on, just think about it. thats It's not even a moral or ethical issue at that point. It's because in our idea, it's for the greater good. And as long as our advisors, the Astra High Command, who become the uh, moral and ethical uh, superior uh, influence in, in, the, in the relationship with us in the Cosmic War and the other galactic empires, as long as they say yes because they do cloning themselves, we're going to do it. We use it to, uh, like I said, staff and man our colonies off-world and on the moon and the solar space stations that we have around the solar system and um, colonies on Mars, colonies in the Kyber Belt, Jupiter. The Dark Fleet uses, ex- uses it extensively in the natural extension of their uh, eugenics philosophy being themselves Aryan um, products of that eugenics program from the Third Reich, from the Nazi Germany era. The Blue Sphere Alliance approves of it, given that it's our free choice to conduct it, and they don't stop or punish uh, choices made by free will. The Atlantis uh, Delegate Council, the Galactic UN... The Atlantis rising um, neutral type uh, political force and the human spectrum, the human empire that controls all the fates of humanity with laws and legislation, they don't outlaw it. And they haven't outlawed it because they themselves use uh, lobotomized clones and uh, artificially created uh, staff. As they refer to it, the artificially created staff, but that they're human clones specifically created to uh, fit their ta- uh, tailor fit their needs for service personnel, uh, menial labor personnel, and you know service staff personnel for the uh, for the city of Atlantis, for the you know the na- the needs of the uh, delegates delegation themselves for catering, for cleaning, for sanitation, for security. <coughs> uh, Human cloning, though, even though it's legal and permitted by every, uh, you know, I guess you call it uh, galactic power, every moral authority, is not an ethical practice. It's the creation of a slave race. It's the creation of um, of basically beings that don't have the free will which they should be gifted. You know, they're created artificially. They're created as products, as uh, property. And it's it's no more ethical than forcing slaves in history to have bred, and then consider their offspring and their spawn to be slaves. No matter how you consider it beneficial to your society, it is still, to me, morally objectable. It's morally um, contemptible. It's a uh, pretty heinous, you know. It's a pretty heinous phenomenon. I'm I do not uh, support that this decision uh, from the Earth Alliance to do this, but this is how. They've chosen to go about their uh, steps into the stars and their, uh, div- you know, furthering of the kingdom of the human empire, furthering of the agenda of the uh, pro-Earth alliance, the pro-Earthling alliance. Um, you know, and, and colonizing any uh, frontier is typically associated with slavery or typically associated with with uh, the harshness requiring slavery. To be honest, it's the development of the Roman Empire, it's the development of the American Empire, uh, all done on the backs of slavery. I show these images because this is what I think cloning is, ethically, it's that it's, if you have a successful model, if you know that you you have this great invention, this great resource, it's okay to copy it. It's okay to copy it to fit other agendas. And this was the, you know, that was the Russian-made space shuttle. And so it's the exact same thing, that if you have one capable of doing it, just copy it and make it serve another agenda. It doesn't really matter about the soul of the thing. It matters about the physical ability and property of it. This is, for example, the unmanned space shuttle. And it serves a greater and higher function, but because it has no spirit in it, because it has no humanity in it, um, it is just an android. It's a simulation of it. It's a simulacra of it. Excuse me. And it's an artificiality counterfeit of it. It's not ethically correct to have this thing um, exist. Okay, so if you read the new science, if you have any question about the validity of these concepts, if you have any question about the uh, probability of these concepts or the likelihood that these things do exist, because they do exist, it is a certainty. Read The New Scientist. Read scientific publications. Read patents uh, that the military has, and civilian military and industrial complexes have already filed for and developed. Not only, and let assumed assume that that's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to patents uh, for sworn for the national security. This is what they are doing. This is what they are doing it for. A clone, the blank, most clones are blanks. There are millions of clones in existence, but most are blanks. They're just bodies that they are kept in plastic and chilled, and they're hyper-aged to a specific prime, and their organs are harvested, their raw materials are harvested, and they become medical supplies for the needs of the off-world colonies, the needs for Dark Fleet, the needs for the private military companies, the needs for Solar Warden, the needs for the SCP. SSPs um, everywhere in existence. Any kind of human advanced medical treatment will be using the replacement of donor organs grown from clones, human clones. Uh, the celebrities of Earth, the elites of Earth, the most powerful people and influential people on Earth, including the delegates and politicians sent to uh, Pegas- uh, not, uh, the Atlantis uh, flying city. Um, those I mean, the Atlantis city ship, uh, from the, that we re- repurposed from the Ashtar, when we recaptured from the Ashtar, um, those are also treated to this, uh, treat, to this health benefit, this, uh, miracle technology, which is the ability to harvest hormones and organs as, um, deemed necessary from clone donors made from themselves, um, this concept is not new. This concept has been around since the 70s. This concept is much older than that. This concept was at first pioneered in the 50s. This was the first creation of clones. The first purpose of cloning was that we could create clones, the physical properties of clones, but the human spirit is individual and it's caused from the nurture of a creature, not the nature of the creature. A human being without the benefit of experiencing life in a 3D matrix uh, time frame, basically the, the, the time rate of one day per day type experience and, need, and needing to mature or to reach maturation um, to a certain point, to have certain abilities, certain grasps on the universe in conjunction with their mastery of their body or the physical fitness of their body without the ability to dilate time was the reality of human cloning from the 1950s to the 1970s. You could get a hyper-aged clone able to, say, double or triple their growing speed so that in 10 years they'd be 20 or 30 years old, but they would have the mind of a 10-year-old. They would have the mental prowess of a 10-year-old because they only lived 10 analog years. This is before the ability to manipulate the mind and put in hypnotic suggestion and create false memories, before really the mantids started showing up and totally telling us how to uh, operate. We were doing it the old, um, I guess you call it, the old, more uh, primitive uh, methodology. Of just creating utopias for them, creating little civilizations for them underground in these deep underground bases. are offshore on islands are in forest reserves and compounds surrounded by wire and um, kept very dis- uh, discreet and secluded from the public. But these clone nations, uh, basically these little clone uh, cities, these little clone camps were strictly for medical and scientific research prog- uh, pro- uh Priorities. They were used for testing medicines and chemicals. They were used for testing uh, everything from weaponry, uh, biological, chemical, radiologic, radiation weaponry, to electric, electromagnetic weaponry. They were used to test out uh, the subliminal messaging and media they were used to test out uh, everything from experimental music I call it music to uh, movies, uh, clothing anything basically you can imagine having that later been demonstrated to control huge sways of the regular population was tested on these clones first and then the clones within themselves be harvested and, uh, reduced down to their raw material once the time came. And so you had a kind of a Logan's Run or a parts clonus horror, uh, situation for real. And these movies are made terrible because they don't want you to really start questioning the fact that they basically at the age of 10 or 15 or 20 at the oldest were killed off. And um, executed uh, medically and humanely, put down like dogs, put down like uh, cats or any kind of uh, zoo animal, and then um, killed and and they're stripped for parts basically, stripped for their organs, stripped this out to the bone. And even the bone would then be used for bone biopsies and and transplants and for the marrow. (laughs) That's where you get the concept of like us – us is that concept, uh, told from a more urban point of view, and but it's, the, it's exactly the same concept, is that you have a clone world underneath our world in these deep underground military bases that they are raised and let to survive in a society, um, and everyone has a copy of themselves, basically, because there's millions of them, and that's how you explain the, the sheer amount of them. But that they grow up and live in this clone world, ignorant of any world outside of that world, than the real world, quote-unquote. They live as clones, and they're not really disturbed by the fact that they're clones. They kind of have this child, childish ignorance, this, this, uh, this uh, mental uh, retardation kind of thing. But it's not. It's just that this is the normal for them. This is what they're raised by. And um, it shocks us because he's like it would look like a twenty or thirty year old person, but it really would be about a ten year old clone or a five to ten year old clone. And so they would have that that mental Nate, that mental age of five to ten years old, but they would have the physical looks and the physical ability of a you know, 20 to 30 year old man and, uh, they, the government uses this to their benefit because they can train and figure out, uh, the human element in a lot of things such as medical and pharmaceutical issues and, um, you know, uh, everything from, uh, what would work as a as a uh, subliminal message in a sports game? To what will work by uh, you know forcing onto the masses restriction to their civil liberties, or what this causes pleasure and a and a promotes a a good response? They do everything. They're human guinea pigs. They're human crash test dummies. You know they're they're basically the best uh, scientific subjects in the world, the best lab rats in the world. They're real human beings that have a ten-year life expectancy. You know, um, they can now engineer the human race. This is something that the MIT Technology Review—if you read these magazines, you read these journals—they're telling you up front what they can do. Uh, they, we can now engineer the human race. We can say we want a specific person here at this specific time we'll create that person we'll uh you know plant them into society we can run simulations and scenarios using that exact same personality we can recreate historical events historical um pressure circumstances to achieve a certain influence or to assert uh, achieve a certain turn uh for in one way or the other for progress or for the uh perpetuation of an agenda um basically if you think the conspiracy if you think how the power structure would really work when it comes to this cloning remember the x files remember this old uh this this i guess you call it old show it's it's you know, roughly 30 years now, it's 25 years old, that the X-Files would come out and, um... You know... it, it had it so right. It had the abduction process so right. It had that process so right. But the way they can uh, engineer the human race, the way they can implant clones and use people for their genetic material and their gene stock, and create this artificial life and create this artificial timeline, and uh, you know, create what you think is real society, what you think is the natural. Uh, tree of Life has been very horticultured. It's been very uh, tended to. It's been very um, trimmed and manipulated to grow a specific way. And it all starts with our alliance with uh, the you know. It all starts with our SSP involvement. It all starts with the the Earth Alliance, the U.S. Navy, uh, creating the My Labs, creating the alliances with the Ashar High Command and the Greys. And uh the Orion Draco and it starts from the first days you're born naturally, it's in a hospital, and you're put into the system if you it's very simple pass and go uh binary option. If you set a certain criteria, if you they, they like you, if they you know you hit them you you mark, check the marks on the box, you fill out the the form properly, you pass the test. They like you. They'll pick you from the womb, basically. They'll pick you from your prenatal stages, and as soon as you're delivered, they'll know for sure. Um, And instantly have you marked for targeted harassment, uh, alien abduction, my lab experiences. Uh, You'll take standardized testing in the... uh, They'll single you out. They'll put you into programs for gifted children. You'll have medical issues or you'll have special talents. and They'll require uh, some kind of federal uh, or, or big brother type intrusion into your life. You'll belong to uh, some kind of uh, rewards program or some kind of uh, welfare state type system. Well, the government will be kind of a benefactor. It will be a good thing. You'll join uh, ROTC. You'll join uh, special curriculum. You'll join all this kind of stuff. All your life you'll have episodes of Missing Time. All your life you'll have episodes of uh, very strange uh, uh, paranormal events. Uh, you'll have a very uh, deep-seated paranoia and um, have higher entire than average intelligence, have a intuition, have some spiritual uh, presence that's far beyond others or peers of your group or your society. You'll be from a rather dysfunctional city, but at the same time, rather uh, successful into making you A a, a What you consider A well-traveled and experienced person This this These are the symptoms of someone who's targeted These are the people who have Their DNA taken that samples uh, These are the people who are Um Uh Targeted to generate Generations of clones Targeted to be the models of your everyday type uh, Filler clone Um and these are typically women. These range, you know, from your from every spectrum of society. But typically these are RH negatives, and typically these are women. Uh, the X-Files had it right that my labs are mostly done by U.S. military medical staff, particularly U.S. Navy staff and international medical staff belonging to NATO or belonging to NATO powers such as Japan or such as Germany. Um... They operate on US soil, they operate in every major nation's soil and every continent uh, to collect uh, satisfied um, materials such as ova and such as sperm. They will go to pregnant women and take fetuses out uh, from their stomach. And create these artificial miscarriages. They'll go to women who haven't had any, uh, pregnancies or haven't had any kind of, uh, impregnation and take their unfertilized seeds. They'll, uh, particularly take baby, um, tissue, fetal tissue. Uh, they find that it's very easy to work with stem cells. They'll take uh, prenatal tissue. They'll take, um, uh, basically tissue throughout the woman's, uh, natural born health cycle and they can do this now they used to do it physically with uh, probes but you know the best probes money could buy the best that were designed scientifically but now they can actually do it with lasers and with almost scarless surgery but the psychological effects of alien abduction, so the old traditional ways of spotting alien abduction were the physical marks, were the bruises, were the scars, were the implants. Uh, that, was, that was old technology. The new technology would basically leave no marks. It would be uh, a, a nothing but a vivid dream, nothing but lost time. The psychological effects, though, are always present. Feelings of barrenness, feelings of being raped, feelings of being violated, feelings of loss, mourning, depression logical effects of alien abduction so the old traditional ways of spotting alien abduction were the physical marks were the bruises were the scars were the implants uh those were, that was old technology the new technology would basically leave no marks it would be uh, a, a nothing but a vivid dream nothing but lost time the psychological effects though are always present feelings of barrenness feelings of being raped feelings of being violated feelings of loss mourning depression melancholy um The the presence of antibodies, the change between RH positive to RH negative DNA, Um, the feelings of uh, connection to something larger, connection to a larger scheme, uh, memory loss, uh, suspicion, uh, traumatic uh, stress type uh, uh, events like PTSD type episodes, um, night terrors, insomnia. Uh, the list goes on. Those psychological effects, coupled with the physical effects of in, um, uh, insomnia and figures with um, you know stress, such as the uh, propensity to physical addiction, um, as well as a development of antibodies, uh, Rh negative and Rh plus antibodies, which are the proven link to pregnancies. But because you haven't officially been pregnant or officially been diagnosed as being pregnant, you can't explain. These women and men, but these women typically, who are survivors of this, to, uh, do go on in a higher than than uh, probability would suggest as being random uh, number in the in their community to go on to be doctors, to go on to be members of the medical profession, to go on to be military, to go on to be uh, – professional businesswomen, uh, professional, very successful, very intelligent type workers, but with, um, you would call it more carthartic <laughs> call it more uh, shocking and uh, stressful surroundings, typically not shying away from morbidity or the macabre. And socially and personally in their lives, engaging in behaviors which are very risky, which are high-risk behaviors, such as drug use, such as hardcore sex, such as sex with uh, many partners, such as fetishes, and such as um, uh, living their life centered around what they call lifestyleism. Not only just dabbling in or partaking in these and ish- these events and these uh, proclivities, but becoming uh, members of communities, becoming handlers and for and initiating uh, new and experienced strangers into the lifestyle to engage in relationships, usually polyamorous or or polyamory type relationships, to engage in uh, the collection of paraphernalia regarding fetishes, to re- to engage in. You know, uh, prostitution or escort type services to engage in sex parties, to engage in sex clubs, to belong to these membership clubs. And this is because people who are that violated, people who are that you, are used for those purposes, develop the fetish to control what they don't think they can control, which is their reproduction cycle, which is their sexuality, which is their, uh, you know, um, their body, their their reproductive substance, their essence. And when that is forcefully taken from them, it becomes an obsession. It becomes a obsession of theirs. A great example is Dr. Strangelove, the General Ripper uh, character who eventually ends up causing World War III, is obsessed with the purity of his essence and his uh, his sperm because he feels that the, the Russians are attacking his ability to reproduce or his reproductive substance. That is something that if it's affected, if it's attacked or as if it's uh, uh, you know, exploited or manipulated or endangered, can cause severe traumatic ramifications which are normally not felt by uh, unaffected people or untargeted people. But targeted people become to embrace, become addicted to, become unable to um, live without <laughs> And so it becomes an extremely defining fact of their lives, they become hypersexual, they become uh, prone to extravagant displays of sex, uh, prone to sex addiction. Um, so basically, these are the members of the cloning program that are not clones themselves typically. But are chosen because of their psychic powers or they're chosen because of their uh, intelligence or their physical ability, you know, the physical uh, genetic makeup. And then those, member, those, those uh, samples are then generated generations of clones, which are then themselves cloned. So that's how new cloning material, new uh, genetic material is introduced into the cloning labs, the cloning world. The the human clone is then uh, fitted with a lot of cerebral implants, a lot of uh, electrochemical receptors, and um, you know uh, producers that can they can produce say you know the hormones necessary for puberty, the hormones necessary for uh, adrenaline responses, and the virtual reality exp- uh, simulators that they go through, and that's. You know that's the marriage of the whole military industrial complex that's the marriage of the um, medical technological uh, black projects and this genetic uh, creation the project of, of material um, and the astra high command produce or allows with their envoys with their um, with their um, the assistance that they give with their specialists to tap into the conscious and psychic realms now and um, they can create the consciousness, they can create the spirit necessary to create a full human being or a, li- a, hu- a human being that can produce life force that can uh, tap into the archaic records that can be considered to be equal to and indistinguishable from a real human being Think about Blade Runner and think about the androids. Uh, the whole purpose was that the androids were not considered real human beings because they didn't have real human memories. They couldn't. They didn't have real human motions. Even though they felt emotions, even though they had uh, enough screen memories to confuse and to um, conceal themselves amongst regular uh, humanity, they didn't have enough to fully be uh, pass the test, the voight kampff test. And clones, no matter how similar they can get to a natural-born and conceived human being, don't have a connection to the karmic uh, fabric of the reality, to the dharma of reality, to the life force, to the chi of reality. They don't produce chi. They don't really produce um, a life force of their own except for real they produce real because will is produced through sexual lusts and sexual um, excitement and uh, desire. So the creatures who are now these clones who are used to in the Dark Fleet as pilots, they're used as soldiers, they're used as ICC colonizers, they're used as uh, mercenaries and the private military companies that make up the ICC. They're used in the Solar Warden as the naval staff, they're used as pilots in the uh, Solar Warden as well. And, and the Earth Alliance, they're used as uh, everything from technicians to industrialists to to creatives to, you know, the whole gambit and spectrum of the um, society and its many occupations. But they just don't have the divine spark, that joy of existence. They don't have that inspiration to create that um, a regular and natural conceived person does. And this is um, most glaringly understood when you put one a clone inside or a clone and a natural person in a close relationship with one another if you try to get a, a regular natural person a natural born person to date a clone or to marry a clone or fall in love with a clone rather i should say because you can date and marry without falling in love and to fall in a true love with a clone that clone could never truly love that person back and reciprocate that love it would never truly have a connection and that's the best way to understand it is that no matter what, how they think, no matter what they learn, they can never really master simple, natural communications, natural bonding, natural um, uh, recreation of stability in, in their own personal lives. They are constantly at war with themselves. They are constantly at war with other people. They're given to uh, a lot of natural conflicts and a lot of natural suspicions and paranoia. Um, Even in the best of their training, even in the most lifelike of their training, because the solar warden doesn't want someone to be a robotoid. They just don't. Uh, While they can perform uh, many of their staffing duties with uh, clones that are just blanks, and with the most basic, like I explained before, the most basic in, of, uh, of motor function and uh, intellect, they choose not to. That's an unethical type of pro- uh, practice akin to uh, using a child soldier or using a child uh, slave in a the military. They want mil- uh, soldiers and thinker uh, space program members that are um, raised uh, to a point where they're mentally and maturely and emotionally old enough to handle the responsibilities and to handle the uh the uh duties that they're going to be present so they create these artificial cities to mimic real cities a lot of um a lot of mall atmosphere a lot of shopping a lot of uh recreated type parks and uh Utopia, utopic type park systems, a lot of uh, farming, gardening, a lot of uh, exercise, a lot of sports, a lot of entertainment, a lot of um, a lot of uh, sterility. It's really a very, um, you know, um, I don't want to say a chill place. Yeah, it's very calming. It's built that way on purpose to keep the the clones sedated when they're going through these fake lives. But they go through school, they go through uh, career training, they go through education. They can date one another. They they promote uh, sexual uh, activities promoted, but you know they're sterilized. They can't produce uh, naturally anyway. Um. You know, And so they, they're trained usually for their colonization jobs. These are clones that are given personalities and given this freedom so that they can become off-world colonizers. They can become miners. They can become explorers. They can become ship's crew. They can become uh, well-grounded and emotionally satisfied to survive long periods of isolation but at the same time not have that true – connection to a planet or that true connection to the human race as to make that a insufferably um harsh and extreme behavior they hope that this is going to better serve them in their trials and their efforts because if you don't have the emotional experience the emotional maturity even a clone if given the extremes of warfare or hardship or survival, you know, near-death experience type trauma, they won't have the, the, the courage, they won't have the... They might have the physical ability, they might have just a zealotry, but they won't have the ability to compensate for the detailed nuances, the minutia of the war, the minutia of things like surmounting courage or cunning or intellect or prioritization of threats or, you know, they won't have the the minutiae of what it means to be a human being, what to capture that human spirit in times of crisis, in times of uh, great crisis, great danger, and to uh, achieve like, you know, they don't have that connection to the chi, they don't have that connection to the life force, they don't have that spirituality. And uh, no matter how much the Astra High Command can mold them and create and try to connect that, create that connection with each other, they won't have that to the greater human uh, genetic memory. Uh, what they what they do do is um, the SSPs uh, use specific genetic stock from the greatest soldiers of all time, the greatest soldiers that have served in the NATO armed forces under the British Crown or under the uh, United States flag, or um, are, are, are from Soviet Russia, and they get these great warriors, these great soldiers, these greatly uh, tried. Uh, Veterans from World War Two and World War One, and uh, the proxy wars of the late twentieth century, and they genetically clone soldiers from these men, and the the men, the men are then able to uh, recreate an artificial version of that man's life, and then they try to harness the best qualities of that man and synthesize that man down to his most exploitable and uh, profitable qualities as a soldier and make that soldier improve on that soldier to create super soldiers that are then sold to the private military companies that staff the Solar Warden, uh, Marines, and um, the the Earth Alliance uh, security forces, the defense forces of the Earth. They also serve Dark Fleet. They go in to serve... Uh, the ICC and its private military operations, its piracy um, brigade, and they go uh, into many of the different black programs involving assassins and you know, um, you know, um, highly, highly dangerous classified type missions. But they're trained rigorously through VR and they're trained rigorously through um, simulation and uh, training scenarios and. What have you? There's both men and women. Um, there's both men and women induction to this program. They are equally trained in the arts of uh, assassination and uh, covert warfare, spy tactics, espionage, um, demolition, uh, surveillance, uh, everything from learning the game of spycraft to Uh, being able to pilot vehicles and being able to infiltrate uh, societies and communities as spies because the idea is a one well-placed genetically superior uh, mentally conditioned uh, super soldier in the form of a clone in the right area can defeat empires before they start, can defeat real legit threats to the Earth Alliance and to the Cosmic Order and to the Astra High Command before that they arrive, before they are present. And this is how we fight our wars off-world. This is how we hope to uh, achieve superiority and dominance off-world, as well as on Earth when the great moment of disclosure comes, when the great moment of um, assumption of power when the hour of the time uh, you know occurs when the Black Awakening has to happen is that these clones are going to be able to be distributed to key points in uh, the infrastructure, key points around the world, um, key points in world governments, and act as assassins in mass, or, uh, you know, take over power host with hostile effort, with hostile means, perform sabotage efforts and take down, like, the world power grid or, you know... Uh, basically just assume leadership for the the, the agendas and the, the name of the SSP the you know the Earth Alliance and Atlantis and um, they do this. With the full, with the full spectrum of life that they're going to create this individual from his prime, his childhood to this prime to his old age. And they put that person into positions of political power. They use hyper sigils to recreate that man's image in, uh, most New World Order, uh, subliminal messaging, uh, most of the, Uh, Illuminati type Illuminati messaging About the coming age of man The great dictatorship of man The great um, um, Assumption of power By this earth alliance Which is allied to the Ashtar high command And it's Luciferian uh, uh, Empire And it's going to be like a cohabitation Of the species on earth As they colonize earth properly And we go to the uh, Off world before we go to the the cosmos to serve out our lives as we give Earth to them, uh, you will see this. You see this kind of uh, transmission of of message, this transmission of knowledge. A third option in the military-type program is um, they use clones as perfect genetic blanks, perfect genetic stock to create cyborg uh, weaponry with. They create... Everything from a robotic android ninja, which is basically a human brain and spinal column and nervous system powering synthetic muscle that is shaped uh, in many different variations of patterns. They put uh, the human brain and spinal column into power suits, into walking tanks. The Dark Fleet is very fond of this technology, but the Dark Fleet isn't the only proprietor of it. The ICC creates a lot of this weaponry and uh, sells it to the Dark Fleet. The ICC also uses a lot of this weaponry in its wars against the uh, Martian terrorists, the Lunar Marxists, uh, the Tyran freedom fighters, and suppress and control uh, territories in the Orion-Dracosphere or not. A lot of the clones go into – get the the suits and, and bulletproof fibers implanted in their skin and are sold to the Dark Fleet. A lot of these remain lobotomized, or a lot of these remain uh, mentally regressed, so they become shock troopers. There is a fraction of the clone population that goes through like a forced evolutionary virus, an FEV. Uh, and becomes a super mutant, or becomes a a bioman, a bio-soldier. Um, these are hulks. You often hear the capabilities of one clone generating this kind of muscle mass with a change in his personality, or with a change in his uh, psychosis, like the figure from Split, or a uh, certain super-soldier regressed memories, a bi- abilities as a hulk up, abilities to become like a werewolf, or become uh, this berserker warrior. That's all bio-man, that's all hulk uh genetics that's all this fev type virus a lot of clones are forced to pair off or they're, or they're given uh, mates they're basically called mates um they're either members of the opposite sex or the same sex which are your complementary partner there's a sexual component to it there's a forced mating component to it but it also they're also put in the battlefield to put into uh Operating capacity, operating performance status, because active duty status, because the pairing produces a full life force. It it produces a full human uh, uh, complement of life force, a a full yin-yang life force of the yin and the yang, and they're able to fight better. They're able to fight uh, with a greater efficiency and to fight uh, basically more uh, effectively as a unit. A lot of the the clones are created to be assassins or to be very specialist-type uh, uh, warriors or troops. They're not really meant to be cannon fodder. They're not really meant to be, um, uh, you know, logistical support or humping ammo or anything like that. They're made to be infiltrators and espionagers. They're made to be uh, deep cover agents. They're made to be... Uh, you know highly trained specialists capable of as, uh, capable of a lot of uh, clandestine and cohort type war. Sometimes a very successful model of a person, genetic model of a person is given over to both genders they can do, they can do that or they make one a male and one a female and they can make a, the female version of that same genetic stock from a male so that a lot of times these po- these bond pairs are literally brother and sister. And they form an incestuous relationship because, remember, in the clone's mind, this is not something that's naturally aversive or naturally taboo. They wouldn't really be able to understand the taboo behind it because, to them, it's more of just a natural um, a natural attraction between the same half, you know, the, the version of the male and the version of the female, the anime and the animus, and that goes to the huge psychological conditioning they go through. But uh, ultimately, that's just part one. Um, the realities we see is not the reality that exists. This is a magazine from the New Scientist. This is what the elite intellectuals already realize, is that our life is a simulated lie in many, many ways. It's not a simulated lie in that we are making up the physical matter, of it, but we are totally unaware of the reality around us, the true order of <laughs> Around us the true order of the uh, the cosmic war of the galactic empires around us and how that's affecting our race as a species. This has been rumors of war nineteen eighty seven. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you for listening. Well, we know- With thyself. This is Rumors of War, 1987. Back again with another installment of my series, Know the Enemy. This time I'll be talking about the ICC, the International, or sorry, I was gonna say the International Continental Champion. <laughs> Back, but that is uh, incorrect. Um, the true, the actual name of the uh, organization is the Intergalactic. Corporation Coalition, the ICC, the Intergalactic Corporation Coalition. This is an umbrella term for a multinational effort to colonize many otherworldly bodies in the name of profit, in the name of industrialization. And these multinational um, partners are represented not as nation states of varying authorities inside, say, an assembly, much like NATO or the UN. It is rather like a multinational corporation that exists in partnership with each other to maximize profits and um, share resources as they... Privately expand into a seemingly infinite post scarcity economy. Of course, uh, this is better known as a cartel. This is better known as a monopoly, a board of trusts, you know, um, of extremely powerful and influential uh, entities which have pers- personhood and which have uh, human rights. Uh, able to engage in diplomacy and able to engage in all manners of activities that uh, that nation states, that national identities would be hesitant to engage in and would be um, challenged to perform. This is really understanding the galaxy as like a four uh, D chessboard. But ICC, the interplanetary corporate conglomerate, uses a uh, slave labor force. For the most part, it's almost entirely made up of mind-controlled slaves who are sent to serve for twenty or plus more years, are their entire nat- natural lives. When they are deemed having served uh, satisfactorily or having earned the commission to pay off their debts for travel, they are memory wiped, age regressed, and sent back in time in the 20-year loop. This is a uh, for-profit company. This operates mostly out of Mars and deals with many uh, solar system civilizations, uh, many different species many different uh, coalitions and alliances and ultimately acts as a trade empire Uh, not so much a politically hostile conqueror although it does engage in hostilities its main activities are always felt and ramified on earth during our local governments our national governments decisions and priorities Um, Allocated through the funding and supply of material and intellectual property, patents, inventions, um, technologies, and they are funneled into the system much the same way as national security is funneled into the private uh, sector and the military-industrial complex on on Earth in the American sphere of influence. So you got the Department of Defense, which handles top-secret classified national security issues. You also have the private-military-industrial complex, which supports those acts and actions developing technologies and uh, figuring out the the cost-benefit analysis of these actions, and then you have the population at large, which supplies the manpower and the personnel. Um, This is actually coming to an end. Uh, Its main heyday was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They have acquired quite a lot of power, but political um, favoritism is shifting away from that, and that is going to be a big part of the later half of this discussion, but the, the resurgence of their rule, their, this, um, the issue of their rule in outer space is uh, considered tenuous at best right now. And it's uh, unfavorable to certain parties on Earth which are gaining more prominence, uh, especially that of Solar Warden and the Ashtar High Command and those allied with the Ashtar High Command. The best way to understand this is that it's a replay of the Dutch East India Company, their domination of the world trade um, system at the time, and their mapping and conquest of many colonies and um, funneling those profits into their respective uh, nation-state of, of operation. But then at the same time, their rise in authority, their rise in power, and even that company didn't last forever. That company was eventually dissolved and uh, reabsorbed into the, the trend of colonialism and nationalism and empire. But uh, it's very, it's it's very much an analog to it. It's very much a counterpart to this exact same system that was the golden age of trade, the golden age of discovery, the spice trade, for example. Um, this this company, which was a private for-profit company was employed not only of sailors, but an armada of ships. Uh, It had doctors, it had ministers, it had artists, it had musicians, it had uh, cooks, it had every single facet of operation at its disposal that pledged loyalty to the company first and operated itself as an independent navy. And this independent navy was more powerful than any existing um, navy from any existing monarchy, any existing empire ever in the history of the world, and including the Roman Empire. At its heyday, this Dutch East India Company, which was in the age of sale of wooden sail ships with hemp rope and no electricity possible, no electronic communication, um, no mechanical or industrial uh, resources, was worth $7.4 trillion in today's money. To summarize, you have to understand the Dutch East India Company because the same model is applied to the ICC. Dutch East India Company was a charter, co- charter company established in 1602 when the States General of the Netherlands granted a 21-year monopoly to carry out colonial activities in Asia. It is often considered to have been the first multinational corporation in the world and is the first company to issue stock. It was also the first mega corporation possessing quasi-governmental powers, including the ability to wage war, try and execute criminals, print coinage, um and establish colonies and make treaties with other foreign powers if you would stack the Dutch East India Company in it's heyday in it's prime to today's economy it would be more powerful than the top 19 companies in existence today that is how powerful companies were when it came to international trade and colonialism compared to just domestic trade and domestic uh, domination of markets it wasn't even the exact. The top four companies were not even 12% of the total profits and revenue that the spice trade earned in its prime. The same can be said for the ICC and the benefits and profits they accrue colonizing the moon, the Kuiper Belt, and Mars, and dealing with the Dark Fleet, Ashtar High Command, the Greys, etc., in their trade. ...compared to the profits that were envisioned on Earth. They make more money per capita than the Earth makes per capita. And that's just the case. Uh, To think about it, it is the new age of piracy. It is a new age of privateering. And exactly that. These are privateers. They have no obligation to communicate their discoveries or their earnings or their dealings or their business practices to anyone else... ...besides their corporate authority. And the Earth... Earth Authority the same way that pirates had no business communicating their endeavors except to their uh, private charters and to their um, domestic spheres of influence like say the Crown at the same time they were also considered outlaws when they failed to do so but they were given permits and um, scripts of uh, authority to conduct certain operations in accordance. They operate of a san francisco uh headquarters that is absolutely true just like star trek um their headquarters of the federation is in san francisco uh they operate out of uh, london and tokyo and the major cities as the weyland yutani from aliens franchise but at the same time weyland yutani is at the soft disclosure of the privateering methods of the icc that is a multi uh a multi-planetary uh Mega company that does everything from invest in defense technology to colonizing raw material to uh, supplying uh, habitable stations and its own private marine companies uh, for defense and um, and 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 international relationships. The ruling class, the actual captain class, the authoritative administrative class, is very much the same uh, model as the one used in Star Trek. They operate after a prime directive. They're very capable, highly trained, um, self-sacrificing officers, but they are completely loyal and um and dedicated to the profits of the ICC for their companymen, They were ultimately men modeled after the old uh, Navy style of the Dutch East India Company, the same way those men were naval captains and admirals in, in life, but at the same time they were beholden to the profits and to the well-being of the Dutch East India Company. And they generated this pro- they did all their actions based on those uh, guidelines, based on the Prime Directive. Serving aboard an ICC vessel or a colony is a very anonymous job. It's basically a uh, uniform first, uh, personality and individual second. They come from all walks of life, all ethnicities, but they are all... Um, defined by the roles and the positions they have aboard these vessels and the, the skills and um, training that they have. The, that, that basically defines their authority, defines their rank. Excuse me. On board, like I said, they have the ability to try criminals, they have the ability to make treaties to perform uh, everything from um, fleet transfers of staff to uh Directions of colonization efforts and mining efforts uh, from the authority of the captain on down. Uh, their admiralty looks like uh, these 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 old kind of judges. This old uh, very pompous bureaucracy, very uh, endowed with uh, with authority. They're generally never returned to Earth. Once they are serving, the officer class serves their entire natural life, but because they use uh, relativistic speeds in travel, they age proportionally slower than those that are remain on Earth. So that there are some captains and officers that are still alive and still operating in their fleets that were alive when they were first founded in the 50s. And, um, and as the Earth has aged and progressed, they still have aged very slowly, proportionally. They live on these self-sustaining uh, ships, these self-sustaining colony ships that are like O'Neill cylinders. They provide farming, they provide agriculture, they provide enough room uh, for for vacations and for you know decompression from service on board these uh, missions. But some of the slaves, some of the servant classes, uh, only dream of ever being allowed back on Earth or being allowed on these recreational um, vacation-type ships. Most serve out their entire life uh, on on isolated colonies, in mining stations, and in work duties, only earning a very brief period's time of vacation, and only earning this after exceedingly uh, good work, exceedingly approved work and performance. The life of a space slave on the on the lowest echelon, in the life of an uh, ICC employee, and is, is akin to an extremely lonely and exhausting affair. They are not permitted to form lasting bonds, lasting relationships, they're not, before, they're not allowed to have children due to uh, mutations and birth defects prevalent in altered gravity uh, environments, either the gravity is too high or the gravity is too low. Uh, they are not allowed to um, indulge in uh, contraband or uh, recreational activities that have been deemed um, too ill-disciplinary, or you know, they they produce too much of a negative side effect in the the personality of a person. It is a lot like Snowpiercer, but Snowpiercer brought <laughs> a sushi train, which I believe is a very apt metaphor for it. it's a very good way of understanding it's a very accurate uh, description of it you are stuck in this isolated uh, duty station this isolated type ship performing duties that ultimately are very lucrative and uh, luxurious for other people for a very select few people but uh, but if you're a worker if you're a slave class you are ultimately just uh, treated like a piece of meat you're treated like a uh, expendable resource the life of a slave is not very um, cherished but As you go up in rank, those people's lives really are cherished, and those people's lives really are valuable to the ICC, but no one is above the ICC itself. Everyone is expendable when it comes to the name of profits, when it comes to the name of a good business. Uh, Everything's a cost-to-benefit analysis. These recreational ships have, uh, the ability to provide the luxury items. I think the most luxurious item besides, uh, narcotics and alcohol is, um, you know, intoxicants is, is fine food. And I believe that a number of, uh, personnel have in fact even mutinied and gone rogue, facing the consequences of the wrath of the ICC due to malnourishment and due to, um, excessively cruel leadership. There have been mutinies, such as, uh, you know, there have been famous mutinies inside the ICC community that that are hushed up, but are kind of legendary, kind of urban legendary at the moment. Um, Generally, there is one officer per 100 ICC slaves. (laughs) It's only through the power of induction, indoctrination, and intimidation that this isn't more the case. But at the same time, the, the workers are kind of given an opiate of the masses. They're kind of uh, ignorant of their status. They're not anything more than regular people given specific tasks and training, and usually abducted or usually bred specifically for that purpose. Children are are the new preferred working class because you can train a child when they're very young to have that filial loyalty, that that offspring loyalty to one's um, parent figure. And the ICC takes the form of the mother state of this mothering uh, embodiment, and the captains and the officership become like the parents of these ICC slave children, who are then allowed to grow up and serve their purpose for 20 years, and then replaced um, because of the, like I said, the affirmation, training, indoctrination of children. Many of these newer classes of breeds are more loyal and more zealous when it comes to the defense of the ICC as a company, when it comes to the defense of profits and the defense of uh, mission statements and mission objectives, and such as the, the mining operations, things like that. And they are distributed uh, throughout the workforce, because there's a workforce of millions of people now they're distributed amongst the workforce randomly uh in case of any kind of rebellion or any kind of uh, um ethically dubious actions amongst the co-workers such as mutiny and they sabotage and assassinate key leaders or anyone who gets too rebellious um they also draft a lot from countries and ethnicities on earth that have a strong loyalty to community. They have a strong proven tradition of uh, subservience and of achieving uh, or dedicating their life, sacrificing their lives to the greater good. Specifically, the ethnic and communist Chinese, the Asians in the, uh, Korea and Japan, um, a lot of Vietnamese, a lot of Indonesians, a lot of Indians. And so forth and so forth. Um, typically, though, they tend to they, they tended to start recruiting from North America and uh, the English colonies, uh, Europe, then um, the Slavic region and Russia, and slowly have shifted over time to Asian recruits. So that as they t- as they age proportionally, the the classes are being filtered out. They operate a number of colonies. A number of colonies on the moon. A number of colonies on Mars. A number of colonies in the Kuiper Belt. And a number of colonies around Jupiter. Their main influence, though, is between the moon and Mars. Their mining operations are huge in scale. Not technologically um, so different that they wouldn't be recognized as originating from Earth. But they are... Very uh, much independent from Earth's overseeing or direction or authority. They operate in very isolated and far off remote regions, uh, exploiting resources that others simply cannot reach or simply will not uh, spend the time and effort to reach. Like I said, for them, it's to maximize profits. It's not for the well-being or sanity of the workers. Many workers in these conditions, like I said, on uh, colonies or in mining colonies, work their entire lives, uh, their natural lives, simply uh, acquiring and securing these moon bases and the, the materials around them. They operate in fashion similar to the existing uh, NASA plans for developing stations on Mars and and the moon. Uh, Like I said, it's not unrecognizable. It's the best money can buy many times. It's the best money can afford, and the training is uh, top-notch. But at the same time, these are regular people with, you know, average intelligence and average physical ability given just a superior gear and given the training in their specific tasks and then let to live their lives in their own devices uh as best they can on these colonies there's a an increasing amount of production uh in vessels space stations uh, deep space stations um from the Kuiper Belt and using the raw materials to process and create these fleets of vehicles that the Dark Fleet, Solar Warden, Atlantis Earth Alliance, and uh, others are acquiring. Uh, such as the independence movement of Mars, the independence movement of the Moon, and uh, rebel dark fleets. That trade is unregulated. That trade is completely operated by the ICC, much to the Earth's chagrin, and that's why we're becoming unfavorable to their presence and their operations, especially their power and their wealth. And their ability to manufacture these ships because it's unregulated and it's not with our permission that they're creating vessels of our design, of Earth's design, and um, and selling them basically to the highest bidder for material and for uh, lucrative uh, biological matter, such as uh, rare alien species, such as rare life forms, such as intoxicating narcotics, uh, found only off-world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, they operate a lot on these asteroid belts and these these mining colonies and some operate as direct partnerships with the Dark Fleet, some operate in direct conjunction with the Dark Fleet using the Dark Fleet as mercenaries, are using them as uh, defense forces in hostile environments and contested territories, basically as, as the backbone and as their muscle while they perform their duties and then split the profits, split the rewards with the adjoining Dark Fleet uh, Admiralty, because the Dark Fleet themselves are a community and a nation of the stars are a galactic empire themselves. Sorry, their dealings with Earth are mainly in the patent department, in the invention department, in the creation of high technology, and the creation of um, of new vessels and uh, endeavors such as that, as well as staff and and administrative duties when it comes to their executive level. the ships that they build are typically uh, used, uh, the ones that were used and built on Earth are typically uh, built in Chinese shipyards or major industrial shipyards that are kept in nations of great secrecy and censorship, such as communist China, such as uh, Japan, such as South Korea, such as Russia. And, like I said, the the creation of vessels is something that is very interesting because it's highly regulated by, uh, uh, by the United States and Solar Warden and uh, officially, the, it is supposed to be done, uh, you know, above board, with everything classified and registered to the United States and to um, the British Secret Space Program and to Astro High Command, ultimately, so that they understand the powers and presences of the fleet. But with... Uh, <laughs> Well, the technology already being, being given over by the technology already being developed by Earth and given over to the ICC, there's very little that limits the ICC from just creating and reproducing and back-engineering this technology so that they don't really need the tether anymore to, uh, you know, American development, American industrialization, or the or the Western uh, world's industrialization. They just need it for the supervision and for the uh, legality of it. But, they already deal in nuclear weapons. They Their main armament for a lot of their lunar bases and defense forces are these small Davy Crockett-type nukes, which are portable, which can be operated by a single person. And so they don't require a large standing army. They do have defense forces, but they don't really need them. Because a lot of their a lot of their bulk efforts are performed by private mercenary companies or private uh, or privately by the Black Dark Fleet, not often. They do trade in nuclear weapons, though they do trade in the development of nuclear weapons, and they do still uh, prefer nuclear weapons made from um, Department of Defense sources. It, it might shock people, I think, that a company that operates with many foreign. Um, Officers and many foreign-born people can can um, trade in nuclear secrets, but they do. And not only that, but they're very uh, proud of the fact that they are very diverse. Um, Exactly. Even though they are a private company, they are a for-profit industry, industrial uh, entity. They operate more like communist China, which is the Pledge of Loyalty and for the restriction of rights and for the restriction of uh, communication, freedom, and, um, you know, uh, culture. They, They operate... Mainly as a trade fleet, as a merchant marine entity, they operate as a mercantile uh, effort. But they're very uh, militarized. They're very, uh, like I so said, the communist, like the communist party. It is a domestic effort to define order and define a social role and to provide a philosophy, while limiting the personal and human freedoms, the personal and human expressions. Um, Whereas as possible for a greater good, for, for a larger agenda. Um, these fleets of Einzman starships, which is the preferred model of starship, it, it runs on a gigantic sphere of uh, rare fuel, mineral fuel, which is not so rare when it comes off-planet. Uh, and they are able to achieve 30% light speed, I believe roughly that's the estimate. And the ships have crews of 3,000. They are roughly the size of a, of a extremely large oil tanker or extremely large ore uh, tanker. Um, not every ship is is you know operating above board. Many are stealth. Many have been converted to operate as uh, warships. And many have been been accompanying the Dark Fleet as fuel transporters, uh, logistics support. Uh, you know, troop transports, um, what have you, miscellaneous duties, but they are operating in a dark fleet with the dark fleet uh, operating in their wars and uh, campaigns off the moons of Jupiter, They're vying for mineral and uh, for mining colonies on the surface of Jupiter's gas that gas giant uh, Saturn. Uranus and Neptune even though at that point the territory and their real efforts the real extent of their efforts becomes uh, mysterious and becomes rather unknown and that's where the regulation and of the federal government of this uh, you know the earth alliance governments and those allied with the Astrakai command come into conflict with them they are ...willing and able to defend themselves against hostile threats, be they natural phenomenon or be they actually intelligent species-related threats for dominance or for territory... Um, they, do, or they are more willing to trade. And they are more willing to uh, create intimidating postures or postures of defense than to actually engage in actions. They simply have enough to explore and to handle already that they don't need to muscle in on guarded or off-limits type territories. They simply have so much that they are at a point of post-scarcity. And I believe that's the term they use to define themselves as post-scarcity. Meaning that they have so much that they cannot feasibly run out or or um, lose any 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 profitable margin, rather than they, they lose physical territory. Their mining colonies are typically created prefabricated, uh, completely self uh, sustaining, and are dropped onto the surface of the orbital body in question: the meteor, the comet, the moon, the surface of planets. The crew of these typically are, are never relieved, they never really explore or are given duties to uh, cultivate the worlds, they just perform their duties as they were trained aboard these mining colonies, and that is the, that is the extent of their existence, that's their, that's their whole world, are these mining colonies, and In the interior of these mining colonies, I guess that's snow pierced on a sushi train. Uh, They do a lot of cartography. They do a lot of mapping of the outside uh, borders of our solar system. They do a lot of uh, information gathering, which is very valuable. They can sell these maps to Dark Fleet uh, forces, to Earth Alliance forces who have not acquired the ability to get out there or have experienced the time or the effort to do so. These explorer ships are typically unmanned. They are typically nuclear-powered or fission-powered, and they... um, much like the Voyager uh, satellite, where they are just sent on these one-way missions as far as they can go while still sending back data. And anything that they acquire, anything that they locate is ICC property, is ICC um, is viable for profitable exploration then it is dealt with accordingly. They send unmanned uh, resupply rockets to classified bases uh, for the Dark Fleet or for other species if that species can't travel or does not wish to travel and expose itself. Uh, this is a circumstance that's, that's very rare, but it's known to the Earth Alliance as one of the reasons why they are losing favor politically on, for the Earth Alliance is that they do this. They They have found ways to smuggle and work around alliances, and treaties they deal in nuclear weapons and in this fuel uh trading and uh resupplying the dark fleet during its military campaigns i mean the dark fleet goes through a lot of hydrogen bombs and its orbital bombardments and those things just don't grow on trees the dark fleet doesn't really have a a uh, mastery of industrialization like the ICC does given that its efforts are mainly built on the war fighting uh, developing strategies of travel and the territories themselves typically are very fast and very uh, large they are creating warships of their own for individual sale and private use These are some of the most advanced and top of the line uh, starships, uh, intergalactic ships that you can um, that you can buy. That money can buy. Their private police force, their marine force, is uh, extremely capable. Their augmented exoskeletal suits, use of computer technology, use of AI, use of um, you know genetically engineered servicemen and women it is uh pretty pronounced it's pretty it's pretty well uh explored and well um, well tested they, they they're very effective uh at the, what they do and that is um you know provide defense forces for their ships provide defense forces for the mining colonies uh assassinate rebellious and mutinous crew um basically police and control and commit to law and order around uh, the ICC-controlled territories. They, like I said, are drawn from both men and women. Uh, These are usually forming uh, the individual ranks of the private mercenary companies which belong to the ICC. The ICC itself is an umbrella term used for the intergalactic uh, corporation coalition. So these are drafted and recruited, trained, and equipped through the private military companies which are chartered and and contracted to serve inside uh, other companies' efforts and campaigns and missions. The areas of their missions. Um, they're given the best technology money can buy. They're given the latest and uh, technology, they use AI, they are not shy about using robotics, they are not shy about using uh, virtual reality or holographics. They have a very limited mastery when it comes to higher density uh, efforts such as astral warfare, such as 4D warfare, such as quantum warfare, or they do they do have the ability to time travel. Their time travel is not as strong as that uh, controlled by the Solar Warden or by the Astra High Command or by the Dark Fleet or the Orion Draco. Um, They do everything from uh, zero-g cross-boarding of ships to orbital dropping to um, uh, space piracy in some cases when dealing with uh, neutral or... uh, species that do not wish to trade they, they will do it by force if they have to, they'll acquire whatever technologies they deem necessary they'll, they'll basically do it and they're ruthless they, this is the piracy aspect of the privateer, this is the buccaneer aspect of the private, the, the corsair aspect, they uh, require tithes and um, and um Bribes, uh, their their payments, basically for operations. Uh, they prefer quality over quantity. Sending maybe only a handful of genetically altered super ter- supermen, these terminators, basically, to control huge swaths of their own population and to um, perform the most the the most necessary of uh, militaristic actions on the ground. They don't typically prefer to bombard or destroy uh, either other vessels, other starships, or enemy colonies, or uh, planets, or species, preferring to capture as many as alive or intact as possible for the purpose of reselling for a profit. I mean, ultimately, they are like pri- pirates. They're not going to sink a ship when they you know the treasure that they seek, the treasure that sustains them and provides for their for their occupation, is on board. Um, they may kill the crew, they may uh, disable it, and, and, and steal it, Shanghai it, but they're not going to uh, want to destroy it. They're not going to want to lose it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, their ships operate uh, typically where no others have gone before. Uh, they usually find alien artifacts, uh, alien civilizations which are uncontacted with. And they make treaties uh, on the Earth's alliance's behalf. Some have been undisclosed, so the true extent of intelligent life that they have discovered and dealt with and the particular existing empires that we know about and their relationship to the ICC is mysterious at best, uh, unknown at worst. Uh, they kind of gone rogue. They have acquired so much technology and so many artifacts, it's safe to say that they don't even know Really, what they have and the limits and potential of what they have—that is the kind of like the big, uh, the big uh, concern—is that they have very dangerous uh, technology and have made contact with very dangerous races under the under the pretense of profitable exchange, but have actually, you know, maybe doomed the Earth. You know, um, given that like, kind of a butterfly effect that the one misstep at the beginning of the journey leads to disaster at the end. They operate in very hostile environments. They operate in very isolated environments. To them, nothing is unreachable and nothing is undoable. To them, sky is the limit. Nothing is impossible. And that is very admirable uh, until you start realizing that they're doing it uh, with a sacrifice and, and lives of human beings that are unwilling participants, or they are basically um, unable to resist, unable to refuse because service is their life, and life is their service. Many things they have uh, covered up, many things they hold as blackmail, many things they hold as as, uh, too dangerous to disclose. Uh, Another reason why they are running afoul of the Earth Alliance is because they are they are themselves acquiring information which is making them more emboldened and more independent in their assertion of an off-world empire, needing less and less the influences and directions of their Earth the executive staff, their Earth executive body. Uh, they operate so far in unknown space that, and, and ultimately the bigger picture, they deal with less with intelligent races and less with their trading partners. Than they do discover and explore unknown and unmapped areas, and thus deal with the hostilities encountered there through environmental and through intelligent life that they may uh, run afoul of, which is always seen as a good business, uh, a good business opportunity, and no opportunity is ever wasted. Uh, for example, many of their off world colony ships, or the off-world mining ships, which uh, are mining in the Khyber Belt and Belt, uh, unearth a lot of uh, predatory and parasitic life forms, and a, a running uh, operation of theirs is to contain these uh, parasites and these uh, biological threats, these biological uh, hazards for uh, I guess you would call it, for exchange or for uh, trade with the Dark Fleet, and and their loyalty to gain their loyalty so that they may be used as weapons, they may be used uh, weaponized, and may be made into military assets, um, which is, uh, so far, against the will and against the ruling of the Ashtar High Command. The Ashtar High Command is a very proximate... um, it's a very proximate power. It's a very proximate empire. We are inside the border, the edges of the border of the Ashtar High Command. And the Ashtar High Command really doesn't operate as far as Mars or the Kyber Belt or Jupiter, which were where the ICC holds, but they have an extremely unfavorable opinion of the ICC. They view the ICC as a potential threat and as a very um, unfavorable, um, un- undesirable elements into the Earth Alliance. They understand it's human nature. They understand it is a basic unnecessary evil. In uh, creating the first steps to um, our galactic empire and creating our first bridge to the stars, but they they desire the ultimate eradication of the ICs, executive their admiralty, and um, they want they want it to be absorbed and to be uh, repurposed. They want the loyalties to be established to the Astro High Command and to the Earth Alliance, rather than be allowed to be more independent and more um, more self-directing. They don't like that nationalism on Earth is transferred in some way to the ICC. They don't like that. The ICC itself doesn't have any spiritual uh, interest. They don't have any interest into the astral realm or the higher density state. There's, is, they're more satisfied with operating as the Communist Party did in China as an atheistic entity, as an entity based solely on the development of human uh, power, human authority, human technology. Now... Even though the Ashtar High Command uh, can't really operate and on their limits, and on their territory, on their, on their footing, they have influenced the Earth greatly, and the Earth itself has been become increasingly hostile to the uh, ICC. And the fact that the ICC may be almost entirely off-world and might be almost an entirely uh, disclosed, uh, undisclosed uh, empire Uh, private uh, for-profit organizations and private military companies but the space around the earth which is extremely vital it's extremely important it's their tether back it's their home port Um, that can be blockaded that can be uh, demonstrably denied to them and even though they might have an overwhelming number of uh, personnel and vessels tradition and experience especially with the dark fleet uh, aiding them that the Earth itself is still very guarded, and it's guarded by forces loyal to the Earth Alliance. It's loyal to first to forces loyal to uh, the Astra High Command, and the technology which defends the Earth, the technology which is being used to um, enclose the Earth with a defensive grid of uh, weaponized satellites, laser weaponry, railguns, um, EMPs, nuclear tipped um, missiles, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You name it, they got it. Defending Earth earth. That is an impenetrable shield. So the ICC still has to maintain good political uh, faith. It has to remain loyal to the Earth Alliance if it wishes to trade with them, if it wishes to not be deemed a hostile entity and and start and provoke a, a war against their operation, much the same way that the Dutch East India Company failed, much the same way that those captains and armadas of ships were considered pirates and destroyed by in the name of empire destroyed by the revolutionary spirit of nationalism and uh national colonialism the same thing is a threat to the icc the future of mankind is at stake with the fate of the icc and the earth empire alliance the Uh, Earth Empire Alliance uh, is going to destroy them because no two monopolies can exist over the heart and uh, future of mankind. Even though it may be human nature to seek trade and to profit and to be merchants, it's ultimately more human nature to serve empire and to serve uh, national alliance. You know, this is our home. This is our home territory. This is our heart. And the future of mankind is very different than the past was. You know, it's no longer a weak, uh, very suspicious, paranoid um, collection of nation-states, which are ultimately very barbaric. It is a new progressive, new scientific, and new uh, philosophical enterprise of cooperation and communication. This new globalism is a symptom of the the higher density fate of man. It's the spirit of man becoming more united. And even arch-rivals, such as the Communist uh, Party, And the Western capitalists are becoming one and the same. They're becoming undistinguishable. They are becoming a unified uh, entity. And the future of mankind may very well be the official banning of private enterprise. It might be the banning of for-profit secrecy. You know, uh, that's beholden only to their own uh, purposes. It might be that the the future of mankind is one great nation joined together in efforts of war against those that they consider primitive barbaric, uh, 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 barbarians in the ICC. Um, there's already a meeting that took place in the globalist agenda of the British uh, space program and the the subject was how to dispose of a dictator on Mars now one man's dictator is another man's king (laughs) and that might just be a chairman of a board, it might just be a CEO it might just be a president of a company that no longer wants to take orders or play ball with the powers to be on the Earth and the powers to be on the Earth are well known for being cruel and fickle masters who take their orders from higher powers, you know, from the stars, from the universal level. Um, this is Rothschild. This is the one of the key founders of the ICC. This is one of the key backers of the ICC. And a snake does shed his skin. The snake may be made of money. The snake may be made of wealth and riches. It might be a, a be jeweled beauty. But it is a snake, and a snake is always eating its own tail And universally in the Uroboros fashion. It is constantly destroying and renewing itself, uh, sustaining itself with its own destruction and transformation. When it sheds its skin again, what will it look like? What will be the future of mankind? And even though the ICC is the forefront of the future, or was the future of the past the future of tomorrow might see humankind going in a completely different direction than just to be in the stars making money it's something to think about this has been Rumors of War 1987, thank you for listening, thank you for taking this ride with me God bless you all Uh, iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend I greatly appreciate your viewership please give me a like and subscribe and share this if you can to anyone who might appreciate it. Uh, Just let everyone know I'm open to uh, discussion. If you want to leave a message in the comments below, thank you all. God bless you and your families. Be kind to each other. Treat, love, love your neighbor as you would love yourself. In the service of the SSP, life. In the service of the secret space program, life. Off-world, because that's a pretty umbrella, ter- umbrella classification that captures the essence of what I want to talk about. But it's basically a overview, a summarization of the experiences and the culture that is formed in the ICC and in the Earth Alliance. On board its vessels and its off world colonies, and the methodology for which it is created, and the technical and genetic uh, reasons for it to exist the way it does, as well as the pressures put on it by the military and exploitations of uh, plutarchs and uh, dictators. This is drawn from my own personal experience, as well as uh, channeled information from the Spirit Guides of Light and uh, and research into the topic uh, over many, many years. Um, I will begin by discussing the uniqueness of off-world uh, cultures, off-world uh, situations and circumstances, and we will just uh, flow organically as... Uh, As we proceed Thank you in advance for taking this trip with me Please like and subscribe I'd greatly appreciate it Life in an off-world colony Life off-world From Earth Is generally Reserved for very elite Corporate engineering Technologically um, You know Assertive uh, invention, uh, reliant, uh, specialist class of individual, or it's relegated to members of certain corporate running aristocracies, uh, incorporated aristocracies, um, or high-ranking military personnel, are specialists in scientific fields that have passed the security clearance of vetting that the federal government will subject them to, or it's by a targeted and selected common individual, an individual of lower social caste, of lower social class, of little to no financial means, of domestic difficulty, of insecurity, but of great potential and great power and great ability. And these individuals would be selected from an overcrowded world that is falling to industrial waste and pollution and social anarchy and anime, violence, drug abuse, Anti-spirituality, carnality to the extreme, a suicidal tendency to resort to hostility and ignorance as defense mechanisms. They are drafted from these worlds, diamonds in the rough, as you were. Uh, this is all on purpose. This this upbringing. This uh, this forced hostility, this forced hardship, is to create potentially more powerful individuals who, and to um, better uh, scout and select these individuals from their mediocre, uh, unextraordinary tribes and uh, dilapidated settings, and to promise luxuries to them to seduce them. Um, to seduce these working class individuals, these workers, these uh, soldiers, these pilots, um, to uh, serve off world in a program called 20 Years and Back. And the 20 Years and Back program is a methodology that they have created to supply the spiritual and psychic essence necessary to pilot and control ranks and ranks of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of cloned versions of individuals like the selected individual or that selected individual themselves. If they are that um, powerful in their genetic makeup and their spiritual build, to to uh, allow for this uh, type of genetic uh, reproductions, genetic copying, xeroxing of the of the man of the human being, and survive the and cooperate and coordinate with the transplant of a of a spirit of a soul. They'll freeze the selectee, the candidate, the cadet in question to serve off world. They'll freeze them spiritually they'll freeze them in a quantum uh crystallization process where they basically get the human mind hooked up to an alien engineered computer a supercomputer a quantum computer and the human being's essence is preserved on a hard disk basically in quantum storage and in the cloud that these quantum computers can share and only they can access uh, that is then transmitted off-world to its various cloning banks and then uh, selectively implanted into these clones, giving them the spark of life, the divine intelligence that allows them to become mature and functioning human beings and then those functioning human beings which are basically made up of splinters of one soul of one soul um splintered into the many various thousands and millions of um genetic uh of little fractal uh elements of itself and those fractal elements are implanted into clones so those clones only have that fractal um, that fractal proportion of power and accessibility to their spiritual uh, prowess, their spiritual, astral avatars and, and forms, as well as the ability to remote view so it's like, they're only like a fractal sense of a real person. But those people are human uh, comp- they're completely human. They have every physical and uh, and um, co- like, you know, intellectual conscious ability. And 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 uh, they they're indistinguishable. There is no difference between a a natural born clone and, from this process and a natural born human being. Um. Uh, reference the movie Gattaca Uh, that is a very good example of how the genetic uh, engineering process really affects personality and intelligence and that they're indistinguishable besides the fact that they're physically superior but they also suffer from a lot of uh um, spiritual problems, a lot of psychic problems, a lot of mental health issues such as depression, such as uh, the inability to dream, uh, lack of connectivity to family or to parents because they physically were hyper-aged and uh, genetically engineered. They don't have a true parent. They don't have a true family understanding. They're given false memories and they're given uh, your memories to, to help to uh, just ease them into the process of existence. And, um, they recognize that, but they don't have any connection to it. Uh, then they're shipped off, these, these ranks of clones are shipped off to various stations, off-world, off-world colonies, off-world mining facilities, asteroid mining facilities, comet research stations, um... There's, they're given in mass to the waffen to complete deals and uh, and transactions between the organizations of the Earth Alliance SSPs and Nightwaffen. They're sold in in mass, given to the ICC. Um, the Earth Alliance's Merchant Marine Fleet is manned entirely of clones. Is uh, a lot of their colonies are manned mostly with clones. A lot of their, uh space stations are manned with clones. This wasn't always the case, but the natural-born human-being colonists uh, revolted in a very, um, I guess you call it, turbulent and strife-ridden uh, set of events that saw them revolt and pursue Marxist ideals and resort now to terrorism and um, uh, uh, diplomatic isolationism, as they are building forces, and they are routinely antagonistic to other uh, intelligent life and uh, and uh, surrounding uh, territories. But just like the United States is lined with bunkers, um, and these bunkers are also breeding spots. They also resort with clone employment. They employ the clones. Um, a lot of SSP members, the Super Soldier Program um, members, our experiencers, or survivors, I should say survivors, uh, a lot of their clones serve on Earth. Now, uh, many people serve completely on Earth in Antarctica, in the deserts of America, the deserts of Africa, the deserts of Australia, and these underground uh, complexes. Uh, they are trained to fulfill extraordinarily complex technical tasks, engineering tasks, tradesmen tasks, Uh, most of the time. A lot of times they are soldiers, a lot of times they are miners, a lot of times they are heavy equipment operators, transport specialists, logistics specialists, uh, various trade crafts and expertise for construction and for maintenance of uh, facilities. A lot of times they are management or accounting or um, clerical in nature. A lot of times they are strictly service-related uh, sanitation engineers, uh, culinary specialists, everything from tailors to barbers to um, janitorial staff, like the sanitation engineers I mentioned earlier. Uh, every one of these spots is filled in... in almost entirely every facility by uh, clones clones that were not bred on site They're sometimes on the biggest colonies and the biggest uh, mining facilities and off-world colonies or space stations they have cloning facilities there to meet the demand of the staff but in most of the ships most of the smaller colonies most of the smaller mining operations there are only a few clones uh maybe up sometimes as few as one or two, uh, sometimes as many as uh, several hundred thousand to fulfill the needs of larger carrier vessels and uh, and uh, longer voyage-intended uh, missions and campaigns so that they don't have to constantly be resupplied with staff. They keep a lot of them cryogenically frozen. They keep a lot of them... Uh, in stasis, much like the movie Passengers and these these arc ships, these colony ships, these generation ships, I should say, generation ships, uh, can travel excessively long distances uh, with a skeletal crew and with automated computer uh, controls for ships and navigation uh, done by supercomputers aided by A.I., So really a lot of the issue is that the SSP, the Earth Alliance, the ICC, and the Dark Fleet are actually, they have more uh, demand for clones as the automation process continues because um, they have more uh, fleets of ships to, to handle, fleets of ships to man, to service and staff. It is not uncommon for one ship captain to have as many as uh, 10 or 12 ships in his command, in his squadron, operated by AI, operated by um, uh, automatic uh, uh, artificial intelligence, supercomputers, and quantum computers relaying information back together to form this giant network of uh, digital data. The Dark Fleet, however relies heavily on clones they rely heavily on clone labor and clone manpower to fill out their land armies their um their invasion forces and their uh their ship staffing because they rely on a thrill as their power to both communicate and to operate their ships uh very you know advanced functions and to coordinate uh communications between uh Flotillas and armadas across vast distances. Also, the combat that they're engaged in it requires a lot of replenishment of uh, and resupply of men, as well as um, um, uh, maintenance personnel, civilian personnel, like civilian level personnel, like that. Um, the logistics is staggering; that they lose uh, millions of people a year uh, in their Uh, Wars against the Saturnine, uh, civil wars between the Orion-Draco factions and uh, the Orion-Draco, too. They resort to using clones or purchasing or trading for batches of clones um, to keep and to augment their own genetic stock of humans that they are raising in artificial ranches, ranch worlds, and consuming and harvesting to uh, devour, or to use as menial slaves. And these clones, it's considered illegal, it's considered ethical by the Earth Alliance government to trade in these clones lives, to trade in human lives as if they were cattle, because they are technically not alive until they're implanted, implanted with a shard of soul, a shard of living psychic soul, and as long as that process isn't complete, they call the bodies vessels, they just refer to them as merchandise, as vessels, and these are allowed to be traded uh, between the Earth Alliance and the Orion Draco for technology, for weaponry, and for um, uh, you know, information technology such as blueprints for building world colonies, maps for natural resources, uh, you know, what have you. The the benefits of trade in alliance with the Orion Draco. Um, life in an SSP ship, life in a solar warden ship is like life aboard a submarine or life aboard an aircraft carrier. Uh, there are various... Uh, Duties, there are various vessels that have specialized crew. They all share a backbone of similar service personnel. And many times a uh, person's recovered memories or personal experiences are very service personnel heavy. Sometimes they're very dedicated to one specific task. Like every uh, version of this person, uh, person's life and uh, recovered memories uh, from his soul shard uh, that I conversed with. Were engineers. They were various engineers of different types. Like one was a mechanical engineer. Another one was a nuclear engineer. Another one was like a physicist. Another one was like a, a electrical engineer. But they were all various engineers. But they were different people with different experiences uh, stationed on different uh, parts of the cosmos and solar system. And some were working with the Dark Fleet. Some were working with Solar Warden. Some were uh, stationed on Earth. Some were in uh, orbit or. Uh, uh, orbiting earth uh, between us and the moon during the, uh, lunar Marxist, uh, engagements and, um uh, make suppression of the lunar Marxists. And, uh, but, but, you know, he was an older gentleman and he was saying his experiences were focused more on the, uh, early, uh, eighties, but that he was an engineer and that, uh, he did this for 20 years and then came back. And when he was turned back to his, uh, Waking life, his regular life, and he had served his term for twenty years in his various incarnations. Um, he he had no memory of it for forty years, and he became a high school teacher. Uh, he was teaching physics, and he was a very nice, uh, you know, and polite, and well-respected gentleman. Until one day, he started having night terrors. He started having vivid dreams, uh, dreaming about Star Wars, and dreaming about Star Trek, and dreaming about science fiction. He got really into it. He apparently hadn't been ever into it before, and he got really into it and started digesting as much material as he could about um, space travel and space programs, and then came to the conclusion that these memories were awakened and invoked by the triggers. That were in the show, the trigger symbolism of the show, including the Federation, including, um, Star Trek, The Clone War, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and, uh, you know, the various, uh, science fiction spaceships and space battles, and, um, you know, the voyages, the ability to, like, warp travel and things. Those were esoteric terms. Those were the terms that he was familiar with in his past life, was as an engineer working on these systems. And I'm just saying that a lot of times people have experiences of being pilots, people have experiences of being uh, scientists, people have experiences that range across the spectrum uh, in the service capacity of a uh, SSPA survivor and experiencer. Um, typically, for uh, it's, it's not orthodox like you would imagine. And that's what gives the uh, surrealness of it, like the detachment, is that you could have been a pilot for a major space, you know, carrier, a, a vessel that was dozens or hundreds of kilometers long, and had a staff of uh, 20,000 men, women. But what you saw was just a panel. What you held was a steering wheel that looked at a digital screen that showed, you know, a special effects, something like 3D rendering. And you were surrounded in a gray or, or you know, agronomic uh, high-tech facility or room control helm, like a, a control room, a helm surrounded by officers wearing very nondescript uh, uniforms that you could um, – that you would – Instantly recognizes terrestrial, earth-based, modern-day naval or military or air force, you know, uniforms, as well as civilian scientists, civilian uh, dressed members of uh, as well as like members uh, dressed like Nazis or dressed like uh, member uh, uh, military members of the 40s, uh, very retro, very vintage-like uniforms. Or in hazmat gear, or in PPE, or in um, military uniforms that didn't look like they were Star Wars era. Like they were, looked like they were Cold War or Cold War era. They looked like they were very high tech, but Cold War era um, technology, like what you would think uh, NASA would have or the Soviet Union would have in the 80s, but like a like a glamorized. Actualized like action movie '80s, not like the gritty realism of the the of, the of the human conflict, like the one the mainstream conflict that we know about. But like, what if? version of reality the ultimate version of reality was that and that's what's re that's what your real memories are is that you were on board these massive vessels or you saw in in the construction yards of rows and of ships being constructed to add to fleets of hundreds that were already orbiting the earth but because they were in like, you know, North Canada and the Arctic Circle, (laughs) no one could see them. And you recognize legitimate technology as technology that you saw and worked on in the secret space program. But it's like, it's familiar to you without you actually having seen it. And there's no real reason why you should be seeing it or interested in it. Like, to be honest, uh, advanced aviation is kind of a rare and obscure thing, as well as ufology and um, space travel, and exploration—it only really triggers a certain kind of person, a certain, like, you know, type of individual. Um, that, and only a few of those still can see the hypersigils in the in these works, can see the interconnectivity behind these works, and they can trace this this um, subliminal messaging from the current day. And back down to the roots of the 20th century into all media, into the, the heavy creation of the science fiction genre and the glut of information that started pouring out in the 20th century about spiritualism, theosophy, uh, occultism, eldritch philosophy. Uh, radically advanced engineering, such as gaining the ability to fly, creating motorized vehicles, creating electricity, you know, harnessing chemistry to a extent that we created, uh, you know, uh, modern medicine, and and then eventually advanced to atomic energy all within 100 years. Um, this was an epoch, I believe, in that it, it does not, coincidentally fall with the occurrence of colonization of the stu- of off-world colonies of putting human beings into the solar system i believe it's only possible because we had a spiritual awakening that we had a spiritual in uh, increase a growth spurt and this i think attracted the ashtar high command and it might be coincidence that it fell upon the same um, intersection point that our paths met as a species, you know, but this all might be a divine uh, creation intelligently designed uh, situation. But the High Command did meet us at a time when we were coming up and, and growing and maturing spiritually to become the best versions of humanity. But then it it also told us and created in us the ability to create the the spiritual stasis of the human being as well inside these cloning programs. Now it chooses spiritually advanced beings. The clone, the SSP program, chooses spiritually advanced beings to become the templates for clones. Every clone is only fractionally power, as proportional to the um, original. But after the cloning process, the original is a fragmented personality, is a splintered personality, is like a broken mirror, and it has that kind of a consistency and unity. Now, um, the situation on board these colonies, on board these vessels, is a marriage between the privileged elite who have chosen to go there in their own free will... Who have chosen to go naturally with their own lives, to leave their old lives behind off on this world and go off-world to fulfill the tasks of their organizations and to uh, become, you know, these, these, these trailblazers in the new world. These, like, the members of, like, the Dutch East India Company or the Conquistadors did. And the slave class, the labor class, the staff class, the slave class, and the slave class is exploited. For the desires of the ruling class, the free class, the the difference between free and slave, free has the burden and responsibility of control and command, but it gets the glory of its own uh, position in these black budget uh, worlds, as well as can reap the rewards of uh, basically any transgression being permitted in the line of duty. And just like they rely on the government and these powerful organizations such as the U.S. Navy and such as the ICC to fulfill their earthly needs such as uh, food and uh, payments and uh, clothing uh, environments, they rely on these corporations to provide them their sexual and spiritual fulfillment and uh, lusts and satiations to their hunger and that is in the purchasing of and selection of individuals specifically for their sexual desirability for their um, their um, beta programming receptivity, receptivity and so that these fractal clones and the original self can be implanted to create better sex slaves who Believe they are free and individuals, who and because of this, they don't keep, say for example, harems of the same clone uh, form in specific colonies, so that they can't relate to each other. They can't form a unity with each other and and rebel against their position in life. But they will keep these popular models these desirable models and trade them and pursue them as a commodity uh, as an artificial object instead of a living human being even though they are objectifying a living human being but they are treating them like sex toys that can be purchased and traded in between powerful and influential officials and officers In these off world colonies, it is this it is human sex trade to the extreme because the, the clones are not only children born into uh, this uh, forced sex slavery, but they are created specifically to fulfill this sex slavery and um, that they live lives off world with no orientation to normalcy so that individual cults and cultures of service and sexual um, fetish and desire have started to exist that have their origins and roots back on earth but they are artificially created and artificially promoted they are gardened it's like a, uh, you know, that it's like Stepford Wives. These women are created through programming and through uh, technological, like implementation of computer chips and hormonal uh, receptor um, antagonists and agonists. Uh, basically, they're given like uh, subdermal implants that can re- produce and release uh, antidepressants and anxieties. Um, Anti, you know, basic narcotic type effects to these women. Um, a lot of them have, uh, access to designer drugs, uh, upon their desire. Uh, you know, they're given rather comfortable carnal existences to the ruling class, but they are little better than concubines or, uh, wives of a sheik during the caliphate era of Islam, are um, one of the many Mormon wives, poly, polyagamous families. Except for the worst fact is that they are clones that are only fractally as uh, as I guess you would call it spiritually present as a real person. And they are specifically created mentally trained to fulfill these roles so that there is no real person there's no real free will inside of these people's minds or in, there's no like they have emotions and they have physical feelings and they have uh, reactions you know no, ma- no matter how and that's an aesthetically uh, you know saturated their their blood maybe be but um or how intoxicated they may be, you know, constantly intoxicated, and how groomed and controlled they are by their handlers. But they are really only fractions of a person. They're only like mere skins of a person, like hollow shells of a person. Um, They are either forced into sex slavery or you're forced into labor, and because um, they, they don't want it to coarsen them. But then again, a lot of elites sometimes fetishize working and labor class women. You know, women who make their living labor, laboring, like they like to slum it. And so even the same models that are kept as trophy wives. Um, and officers, uh, you know, harems are sometimes seen working in various incarnations, so it's an individual basis per clone, like one batch of clones of a couple of thousand could be sent specifically to be miners, and then they are, you know, trained and educated on their mining colonies, Um to be minors while that same version is also created to be a sex slave so a thousand of them then go off to be sex slaves and so you have this where the more colonies and the more ships you go onto and visit and like see and explore the more of the staff looks familiar and the only individuals are the officers themselves the only individuals are the you know, executive officers of the ICC or the scientists or the military officers of the U.S. Navy or the Air Force or specific army operatives or intelligence officers, what have you. The staff is a collage. It's a repetition of the same physical body repeated thousands of times over. And it has a similar Soul, like like it has it has a it has a like uh, I guess you call it like a a fraction of an individual soul that unifies these beings as being human, but it has no free will. It has no. Um, I mean, it's odd, it really is, and it's disturbing, but uh, the freeborn, the people who have selectively gone there and volunteered to give their lives, are not replaced when they die. They are not cloned. They are not subject to the Xeroxing of their corporal form and the splintering and um, data storage of their mind. I do suspect that certain high-qualifying personnel and, and highly responsible um, top military brass have their minds put into the quantum uh, lock and basically, like like I said, they, they basically freeze uh, the personality in a moment and um, can, can access and reproduce and, re- and communicate with that personality um, to get certain information or to keep that personality's uh, you know, abil- uh, consciousness available to accessing it. What they do in major colonies is let the clones have lives of their own. Typically, they're sterilized, and this produces a very strange dynamic in which the populations, no one ever seems to have children, but the populations are always in flux between teenagers and older individuals. The clones themselves are not given entirely... Uh, they're, they're genetically tailored not to have very long lifespans They're so genetically tailored to be barren, to be sterile. They're genetically tailored to, um, not really, uh, you know, have the, the biological needs and necessities like sleep or, um, you know, the needs for certain, um, uh, Objectified pleasures and connections that the normal freeborn human being does to like the life force. It doesn't really need a soulmate. It doesn't need to find um, fulfillment in a career. It doesn't need to find um, some kind of spiritual graduation or maturity. It doesn't need like the idea of it forming uh, friendships um, are, are semi alien to it the idea of living or thinking about someone else except for, you know, terms of profit or terms of responsibility or duty are kind of alien to a clone. Um, they do approach life very, uh, enthusiastically, if not, uh, somewhat brazenly and, uh, kind of recklessly, uh, foolishly, uh, It really is termed foolishly, but they're kind of, uh, you know, handicapped by their simplicity. A lot of people's memories of uh, being a clone are uh, typically ones that are recovered in a dream and they they tend to involve walking in malls walking into similar situations like a, a school or a military base or a training camp or a city street or a giant office building uh, walking the floors taking the elevator going to certain areas trying to find and, and locate certain uh things you know not inter- entirely to uh death defying and dramatic at the same time the life of a clone is very just realistic and simple and, and uh connected down to earth and rooted into the day-to-day uh questions existential developments of a hu- of a living being it would be considered what if like you know a human being uh, was forced to kind of undergo life knowing something wasn't right but being entirely powerless to even understand like how severely right they were about this sometimes they do fall in love sometimes connections are made uh sometimes uh the spiritual uh qualities of a or a spiritual prowess of a clone is augmented and improved due to the connection with another clone and the, like you know the connection of life force and sex magic and uh sex healing and they are allowed to kind of uh Gain some self-actualization, uh, libera- self some liberation of the self. And when one dies, a strange cultural phenomenon, a cult in itself that's gripping the working uh, clones, the slave clones of the ICC and the Earth Alliance, is that if the one mate dies, the other surviving mate will commit suicide or get completely depressed and unfunctional, uh, going on hunger strikes and, and suffering from uh, broken heart disease to the point that it must just be executed. Because in their opinion or in their belief, they are going to be reshuffled and reincarnated, resurrected in some other capacity, some other life, and definitely… Re uh, meet with that mate again reconnect with that mate again and thus be able to experience that moment in time as joyous and happy as they originally were it's unsure if this is a valid spiritual belief but it does seem that many do uh, reconnect over various incarnations as if they're genetically drawn to each other Uh, When given the chance, but a lot of times they don't. A lot of times, a specific version of a clone that has fallen in love and mated with a specific other version of a clone as a soulmate or life partner. Does not share that that across the board. It does not share that in every uh, situation they are put together as living partners. Sometimes they fight. Sometimes it's a very uh, hostile reaction between the two. Sometimes it's a reaction of indifference. Sometimes there are circumstances that just can't be accounted for genetically. Even a couple that does hit it off six out of ten times may have four incarnations that do not and are at each other's throats. Um a lot of times specific specific clones that are considered intelligent or troublesome. Specific professional engineers, specific military officers, specific uh members of responsibility and the the governing elite. Uh, be they in scientific or military capacities, will have mates or members of their harem, members that they selected in their harem. Be deep state plants, be uh, intelligence agents, and be MK Ultra to be uh, computer chipped so that they can turn to assassins. Um, these sex slaves that are that are uh, forced to be assassins, to forced to be double agents. The forced to be uh, deep undercover um, are subject to a lot of MK Ultra programming. They are subject to a lot of hypnotic suggestion. They are subject to a lot of astral projection, demon possession. They are subject a lot to this, and the original co- uh, conduit, the original soul, the person who made this this human being originally, um, suffers from that later on in life. They in heart they harbor all those um, sexual abuses and experiences. They harbor all the karma for the action. They harbor all the uh, ramifications and responsibilities for their uh, clones' actions, for their clones' um, course of actions and decisions. And. Quite unfairly, but they, this is something that they must suffer. So this, the clones that are offered to these programs to make this, the individual that that clone is templated off of, that, that is sourced off of, suffers the spiritual ramifications, the spiritual justice for that use as a weapon. And that's something to know. A lot of times, people can be married and afterward, after this experience, after their 20 years and back, with government agents, with intelligence agents, with, um, with, with covert, deep cover uh, agents posing as women that love you, women that, that you can trust and, and confide in. And they'll monitor you for the rest of your life. They'll either plot your demise or keep contingencies for uh, destroying your reputation Um, They'll monitor your behavior and activity to see if you're waking up, quote-unquote. They'll um, enforce psychological torture and harassment onto a certain individual uh, their entire life as a deep-cover, targeted individual-type action to harass uh, this person, to gaslight them and think that they are crazy. Um, Beware your dream girl because it's typically a weaponized version of your lusts. It's a weaponized version of your desires. And, um, you know, and this is how the experience is. This is how the suffered, uh, the. I mean, the survivors of the SSP program have to suffer. These are the memories they have to recollect. This is the uh, life they have to, to uh, live and you know they have to choose life and they have to embrace life. Their problem isn't that their life was stolen from them. Their problem was that millions and and of lives that they didn't want to live were given to them. That millions of experiences that they can't forget are in their head. That they are given twenty years of life, and then it's returned. Then returned to a point in their teenage years and have to live that one final lifetime with 20 years of such a fantastic journey such a terrifying journey in their hearts locked away in their dreams this is Rumors of War 1987 Iron Sharpens Iron and a friend sharpens a friend Thank you for watching. God bless you. Please like and subscribe. This has been Rumors of War 1987.